us. Well, good morning. Last week we came to the end of a, a nine-session series hearing about Paul's contentment, confidence, and resultant joy as he writes his letter from prison to the Philippians. Did anyone manage to come to every one of those services or hear each of the talks? Yeah, a few of you. Fantastic. Very good, Tom. (laughs) Full marks and house groups. Uh, So does that mean some of you have actually got this all sorted out now? You've you've got it all sussed? No? No? Thank goodness, because I thought for a minute I might be just preaching to myself this morning. Um, Yes, I'm sure some of us are going to hear from about John this morning. Perhaps we've not been facing prison, perhaps some of us have, but we face challenges, don't we, from time to time. And maybe you have had cause to doubt over your lifetime. Maybe we haven't all achieved that level of of contentment. Maybe we've got friends and family who we know also struggle. Well, be comforted this morning, because when we hear about John the Baptist's experience, who was in prison as well, just like Paul, and because of his faith... And because of the challenges he was giving the authorities. Unlike Paul, he was facing doubt. He had seemed to lost that hope that we want to hear about this morning. So I'm just going to hand over to Diana, who's going to read the passage for us. The reading, <coughs> me. the reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 11, beginning at the second verse. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect somebody else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Just a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I feel like you've called me out upon the water this morning. I come humbly before you. I ask that this message that you have given me to deliver, those bits which you want people to hear, will shine forth, and those which are not of you will be diminished. Amen.
Okay, so this morning I'm going to explore a few things. Briefly, if we could have the first slide. Who was John the Baptist? Why did John doubt? And what was Jesus' response? And then consider who do we most identify with in this story? And finishing with a so what? And that's what, what do we need to do in response to what we've heard this morning? So let's go back to the very beginning. Who was John the Baptist? Well, this passage doesn't actually tell us a huge amount about him. Um, other than he was in prison, and then the words that Jesus spoke about him. He said to the crowds, he was a prophet. Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. And this is the one about whom it is written. And here he quotes from Malachi 3. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women... There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he, Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest. Now we don't often talk about John the Baptist, other than I think perhaps when we think about Jesus and his baptism. And and for many years, actually, during the the Advent season, we've talked about uh, John the Baptist occasionally on the third Sunday in Advent because we've thought uh, previously about the forerunners to Jesus. We thought about the forefathers, the prophets, John the Baptist, Mary, and then Jesus as we worked our way through the the four weeks. So let's take a whistle-stop tour through John's life. Here's a simple timeline. I don't know if you can quite see this terribly well, but you will see that actually... John and um, Jesus were born within six months of each other. They both started their ministries around the age 29, 30, and they both had ministries that were about three and a half years. Um, And they overlapped in the middle slightly, Um, and we're going to come back to this later because you'll discover that actually John's imprisonment started very soon after Jesus' ministry and after Jesus' baptism. Um, now, if you do want to know more about John the Baptist, actually you can refer to Luke's Gospel. It's not obviously the, the Gospel we're reading today, but um, Luke, in his writing, says that um, he's carefully researched and investigated everything from the beginning. So I think what we do know about John the Baptist is really sound. Now, here we've got two pictures. that just shows you Zechariah. Zechariah was uh, John the Baptist's father. He and his wife Elizabeth were very elderly, and um, Elizabeth was barren. And one day, when Zechariah was performing his special duty in the temple, the angel Gabriel came to him and told him that his wife was going to have a baby, that he wasn't to be afraid, and that they were going to call their son John. Now, it was only six months later that Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel as well, and that she was told, obviously, she was going to have Jesus. Um, They were related, and Mary rushed off to visit Elizabeth, And as Elizabeth and Mary spoke, we'd actually read that in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist actually, he actually moved inside her. So he leapt inside her. So it's almost like there was a connection between Jesus and John from the very beginning. So following on from that, Elizabeth's baby was born. He was named John, despite protestations from other people that he should be called Zechariah after his father. And immediately, um, his father Zechariah began worshipping and prophesying. He was so excited 
about the birth of this baby. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah said, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Now, John became strong in spirit. We have already heard that he lived in the wilderness. Uh, We can find out that he was dressed in garments of camel's hair and wore a leather belt. He lived a very simple life and his diet was locusts and honey. But he began preaching and baptising people along the banks of the River Jordan, telling them how they could turn away from their sin and be forgiven. Some were a bit confused about whether John was in fact the Messiah. But John was very clear in his message. He said, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we read, with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Now one day, when John was baptising, Jesus actually came down to the river. This is the bit we most often hear about. John sees Jesus coming towards him and he says, he recognises him, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And despite John protesting to Jesus, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus replied to him, let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this, to, f- to fulfil righteousness. And so Jesus was baptised by John. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And this is the, the most famous bit that A voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. John clearly saw that, observed it, and he then says, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is God's chosen one. Now John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets, At this point, he is 100% sure about who Jesus is. John asked people to confess their sins, trust in the Messiah, Jesus, who was coming to save them, and that anyone who is to be saved, they must first realise that they are firstly condemned because of their sins and then need to be saved. John's baptism wasn't a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but a baptism of repentance, Unfortunately for John, Herod, who was the king at the time, did not take too kindly to this message. And especially when John rebuked Herod because he married Herodias, his brother's wife. And obviously the rebuking that John gave Herod, he wasn't at all happy. And this is how he came to be in prison, because Herod locked him up. This brings us now full circle, back to the beginning of our passage and we discover why John was in prison. So he's been on quite a whistle-stop tour, quite a a whirlwind of ups and downs through his life. And now here he is in prison, going from that 100% assurity about who Jesus is to this possibly the lowest point when he asks, 
Are you the one who is come? Or should we expect someone else? You would have imagined that with that close affinity he'd had with Jesus, how could he ever doubt? Would he not have the confidence that would keep him afloat for the entirety of his life? He was so sure previously that when the Jewish leaders challenged him, that he replied even to them, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make way the straight, straight the way for the Lord. He was so sure. Why was John so unsure? Now, I don't know about you. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with doubt. But it's what we do with it. If you get doubts, don't ignore them. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others about it. Now, I don't know about you, maybe just me, but if I see a sign that says wet wet paint, I'm very tempted to go and touch it. Yes? Um, Well, the fact is, if I challenge my doubt and I touch that paint and discover it is indeed wet, I now know the truth. Okay? (laughs) That's not only me. (laughs) So there's nothing inherently wrong if we have a doubt that we go and seek out the truth for ourselves. John Bloom, a Christian author and writer who has a Christian blog called Desiring God, he explores the doubts that John might have been experiencing. We might want to have an eyes-closed moment, actually, like, like um, Liz had earlier. John Bloom writes, he's imagining he is John. What if he had been wrong? There had been many false prophets in Israel. What made him so sure he wasn't one of them? What if he'd led thousands astray? There had been false messiahs. What if Jesus was just another one of them? So far, Jesus' ministry wasn't exactly what John had always imagined the messiahs would look like. Could this imprisonment be God's judgment? It felt as if God had left him and the devil himself had taken his place. He tried to recall all the prophecies and signs that had seemed so clear to him before. But it was difficult to think straight. Comfort just wouldn't stick to his soul. Doubts buzzed around his brain like the flies around his face. The thought of being executed for the sake of righteousness and justice he could bear. But he could not bear the thought that he might have been wrong about Jesus. His one task was to prepare the way of the Lord. If he'd gotten that wrong... His ministry, his life, was in vain. So let's just have a quick look back at that timeline then. What's that sort of imaginings um, expanded was the fact that John actually was sent to prison very soon after Jesus had started his ministry. By this time, he'd actually spent two years in prison. We know that Obviously, Paul was in prison as well. So why would John have lost his hope more than Paul did? Both of them had significant encounters with Jesus. They knew Jesus well. Now, I've got a little analogy. I don't know if this will help. Discard if it doesn't. But I was thinking, actually, John is a bit like a lawyer. His client has told him that there's going to be a £200 million inheritance The lawyer actually delivers that message to all the inheritors. 
But he, like John, never actually sees them receive that inheritance. Paul, on the other hand, he is like one of the inheritors. He hears about it, it's offered to him, and he is the opportunity to accept it. So, so why? John doubted he'd been in prison for two years, he'd not actually witnessed Jesus perform the miracles firsthand, he had not himself been baptised in the Holy Spirit or born again, he did not witness Jesus' death and resurrection, he'd not understood that the kingdom of heaven was something that he could receive here on earth. Unlike Paul, Paul had been baptised in the Holy Spirit, he knew and believed that Jesus had died and was resurrected, and he had understood that the kingdom of heaven was something that he could receive on earth. So the point about John the Baptist was simple. He played a very special role. He foretold Jesus' coming, but this didn't necessarily make him so special in the kingdom You see, our placement in the kingdom depends on us believing in Jesus, what he did for us, and the hope we have in becoming inheritors of his kingdom. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16 to 20, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, and then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. For Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So it's our hope in Christ, his death and resurrection, and faith and belief in that, which is most important to us. What was Jesus' response to John in his challenge. Thankfully, John did seek out an answer. He did, metaphorically, touch the paint. So when the disciples asked Jesus, we've heard about Jesus' love for us, would Jesus love John the Baptist? You can almost imagine the affection he would have had for him. He was familiar with John's sorrows and griefs, and those that can affect us too when we are weak and alone. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on my account. He was telling John that John was right. His work had not been in vain. Jesus He was the Messiah. John's role was right. His calling was true. Jesus, after he'd given that message to the disciples and they went back to John, he actually spoke to the people that were following him as well. And he pointed to them about John the Baptist, about how important he was. He told them, or rather he asked them, What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes. No, those who wear fine clothes are kings in palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is one whom it is written, 
I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way for you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So we're back to the beginning. Who Jesus thought John was, he was the greatest. And yet, he had doubts too. So just summing up, who do we most identify within this story? Are we in a metaphorical prison, perhaps, at the moment? Are we needing, like John, some assurance? Or perhaps we know others who need that assurance. And maybe God is calling us to be the disciples, to go out and return that message of who Jesus was, to give others hope at this time of year. And with Christmas almost upon us, what a wonderful opportunity that gives us to invite others to come to hear the message. Families to the Chris Dingles, perhaps some of your older relatives to the carol services, and so that we and those around us can hear again that message that John was prophesying about Jesus to those that we know and love. I think um, Liz is going to come and sort of take over, but my parting thoughts were, perhaps you need to hear that your life is not in vain. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Okay, that's God's message to us through Karen this morning. And I wonder why he wanted us to focus on that story.